Welcome to the Travel Pulse Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bowman, the executive editor of TravelPulse.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Travel Agent Academy. Travel Agent Academy provides you with the most advanced interactive travel agent training available today on products sure to both impress and protect your clients. From popular destinations to top resorts around the world, plus cruises and comprehensive travel insurance. The award-winning content is designed to help you learn and retain information in fun and interactive ways and help increase bookings by empowering you to sell as a specialist. You'll learn how to acquire a strong grasp of each product's key selling points. You can gain credits, earn rewards, and even learn on the go using your tablet device. Learn more about these free programs at TravelAgentAcademy.com. What's up, everyone? Today is Tuesday, January 31st. Happy Travel Tuesday and happy National Plan for a Vacation Day. We all know the best way to plan for a vacation is to use a travel advisor. Yes, we got a great show for you coming today. We're going to talk big news around the world of travel as always. And don't forget to leave a message or a shout out if you want. Podcast at travelpulse.com is the email. 201-381-3017 is the Travel Pulse podcast number. Drop me a line. Love to hear from you folks out there and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I would greatly appreciate it. Joining me on the show later today is Peter Bopp, Director of Research at the Family Travel Association. He and I are going to talk some family travel trends. But before we bring Peter on, as we do every episode, in case this is your first time listening, we're going to first dive into what's been trending in the world of travel in the last week. And we begin with the United States Department of Transportation announcing an investigation into whether Southwest Airlines deceived travelers by scheduling more flights in late December than the carrier could actually handle. The government is looking to determine if Southwest's decision to schedule too many flights could be considered, quote, an unfair and deceptive practice under federal law, end quote. Officials said that they would also hold the airline accountable if it fails to meet standards for refunds and reimbursements. Southwest CEO Robert Jordan said that the carrier would cooperate with any government investigations and consider increasing spending on technology upgrades to avoid similar issues in the future. They're going to to be doing that. Yes, uh, the Transportation Department also said that it would quote, leverage the full extent of its investigation and enforcement power to protect travelers. So yes, Southwest, they're going to spend some more on tech. They're going to improve things. And let's see how this plays out. I doubt any major, uh, anything major comes from this investigation on this. Uh, I think Southwest is well aware that it cannot afford this type of meltdown and poor performance again. And I don't think that we'll get to that. I mean, I'm certainly hopeful. You guys know I'm very positive <laughs> thinking on this forward. Um, but hey, it is what it is, and we're rolling through on to better and brighter things in 2023. That's kind of the mantra you got to have here. Otherwise, why doom and gloom, right? So speaking of poor performance, though, poor performance by the airlines and the Federal Aviation Administration, all these recent problems, they're impacting traveler intent. According to new data from MMGY's Global Consumer Study, the recent blunders from airlines and the FAA, plus the increase in airfare prices, they're all key factors in why MMGY Global Travel Sentiment Index revealed that the interest in travel has fallen by more than 20 points since peaking in summer of 2021. Obviously, a lot has happened since summer of 2021 here. You know, we're at the end of January here in 23, which crazy that January flown by so fast, like December felt forever. But here we are. It's almost February. Crazy. Get, get going with it. So, um... The average leisure traveler, though, they're more inclined to take road trips in the near future instead of flying, according to the data there from MMGY. However, the likelihood of overseas travel among those who earn over $100,000 in income is still increasing. So no surprise there. The wealthier you are, the more apt you're going to be for traveling big these days. The average American is certainly weighing heavy with their wallets and their and their decisions on, on things with the airfare price. So it's it's still going to be impactful. You're still going to have people travel this year. We all know that. We're all in the industry listening here. You, you know that people are going to be traveling. It's going to be a bigger year. Many advisors are 
seeing uptick in business. Things are booming. They're super busy this entire month. So I hope the you know the busyness continues in February for you guys because yeah, busy equals business booming. Am I right? So I do have to note though on the FFA, the FAA, they, they did announce new safeguards after their system failure. You know, the other week um, they came out and said that they are making a series of changes to prevent a repeat of the computer system outage, including quote, that it will now require at least two individuals to be present during the maintenance of the system, including one federal manager. They did find in their own self-investigations, no malicious intent or a cyber attack was what caused it. It was literally just an outsourced company. Um, they messed up for lack of, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll say positive words there, I guess. There, there are uh, dirtier words, if you will, that we could be said that uh, on on how, how they handled things or how it happened. But Yes, they're 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 powering through and they're moving on and hopefully this never happens again. But we all, as mentioned in previous episodes on the show, this month, you know, their their technology is dated and they've got to get going with that. You've got to put an investment in that. You cannot have this type of fiasco again where you're halting all US domestic flights like that. Oh the the negative news on that front. So despite all that Christmas chaos and everything that has gone on though, US Airlines reported a strong fourth quarter. No surprise, they're all still making billions. I mean, business ain't hurting too bad, am I right? So you can thank the pent-up demand for that and the inflated prices, obviously. You know, necessary price hikes, just a sign of the times, perhaps price gouging. Let me know your thoughts on the latest with air travel, podcast at travelpulse.com or call the hotline number 201-381-3017. Moving over to cruise news, Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings made news saying it would be eliminating the current electronic mustard drills and reverting to the traditional in-person drills. The changes take effect immediately across all three of its brands, Norwegian Cruise Line, Oceana Cruises, and Regent 7C Cruises. It's not the first major cruise line to do so. Disney Cruise Line announced it back in like mid-November that they were going back to the old ways. However, the e-mustard drill became quite popular with some in the cruising circle in the, in the space there. Royal Caribbean and Carnival actually saying they're going to keep their e-mustard drill, citing positive experiences. Greg Purdy, Royal Caribbean International Senior Vice President of Marine Operations, told the Royal Caribbean blog that, quote, we have no intention of moving back. For us, this is really an improvement in the transfer of knowledge. We actually did surveys to test that. Is their retention of knowledge better? And in fact, it was, end quote. So, you know, I wonder, is it a technology thing for the Norwegian brands? Is it a challenge to keep it going? Is it a cost-saving thing? Is the tech too expensive? There's a lot to ponder here. You know, perhaps they do truly feel that it's better for their guests to do it in person. You know, that kind of, you know, contradicts what Royal Caribbean saying there of retaining the information. But, you know, Norwegian's official statement read, quote, We continuously evaluate our procedures for providing detailed instructions on safety and security measures to our guests and such have made the decision to reinstate synchronized in-person muster drills on embarkation day across all vessels within the fleet, end quote. So what do you think? Drop me an email on your thoughts there. Personally, I am a big fan of the e-muster drills. I jumped right into that when, you know, the cruising came back and I loved it and I think it's fine. I, I'm glad that some cruise lines are still continuing with it. I mean, it's, it seems efficient and easy for a lot of people out there too, but you know, I can understand there are still people out there and that I've talked to too that they do miss the in-person aspect of it. And, you know, you can you can also meet people there too. But I didn't love the full, you know, crowded ones where you, you know, you're all packed in and just sit there waiting. I remember the first one I ever did, I was like, wow. Yeah, but <laughs> so I'm a big fan of the E-Muster ones. So we'll see if those ever get reverted back to in-person ones for Royal and Caribbean and, um, and Carnival. It doesn't seem like that is... The case, though, are going to continue on that, citing the positive experiences. So curious what you think out there. Podcast at TravelPulse.com is the email. So moving over to destination news now. 
you'll soon need to obtain official permission to enter the United Kingdom. The United Kingdom has a goal of fully digitizing border systems by 2025, and beginning this year, the UK will require inbound international travelers to obtain a British entry permit document called the Electronic Travel Authorization UK, ETA UK, as abbreviated, so US UK government stating, quote, the ETA is not a visa. Europeans and travelers from the countries, including the US and Canada, will maintain their visa-free status, but will need an ETA to cross the UK border. They have uh, not released any specific date for the launch of this uh, online process, and the applications have not been open on this, just getting the word out. But we do know that it's early 2023 is the timeline right now that they've given. So that could mean, you know, obviously, it's not now because they haven't launched it. But, you know, February, uh, you think they'd be announcing February if it was already happening. So I'm guessing March, maybe April. And can we classify April as early 2023? I mean, I guess you can. But when in April, though, right? We'll see on that. So the process should be pretty easy, though. You just fill it out online, and they say that most people are going to be getting approved in 48 to 72 hours. I don't think it's going to be deterring anyone from visiting the UK. It's, you know, it's a high-demand destination. It's not going to cost that, you know, so it's it's just, it's an added step, you know. I can guarantee that some travelers are going to get annoyed by this, or they're not even going to know that this was a thing, and it's going to create headaches and confusion because they don't have a trusty travel advisor in their corner helping them out. So that is what you're going to face on that, so... Moving over to the Mexican Caribbean is expected to have less sargasm this year. That stinky seaweed that you always see on the shores there. I don't know why I went into a country accent on that, but <laughs> it's, uh, according. this is all according to data from the National Institute of Fisheries and Aquaculture and the Interdisciplinary Center of Marine Sciences down there. So we'll actually see if this holds true. I mean, there's there's been, you know, talk of like this seemingly every year i want to say just in recent times but that's you know what they want to put out that hey we're expecting less and then you can say that and then let's see what actually happens on that but you know cancun isn't really betting on that though they're taking steps and, and being proactive on making sure that they keep their beaches clean you know the local government announced plans to implement many strategies from 2022 to limit the acclimation of plastic and glass waste and collect sargassum on the mexican caribbean beaches you're gonna be hiring more people you're gonna see more people out there collecting stuff and making sure people are throwing their trash away and everything. So the uh, they reportedly authorized the collection of 464.6 tons of waste last year. That is an insane amount of waste. Clean up after yourselves, people. It's really not that difficult when you're at the beach. You know, just, just clean up after yourself. So speaking of Cancun, though, you know, got to note that last week, this was a wild one here. The State Department cautioned against using Uber in Cancun and the surrounding areas. This coming after taxi drivers started harassing and attacking Uber drivers and their clients last week. Uh, in their outrage, taxi drivers even blocked the hotel district's busy main road, forcing some tourists to walk or take rides from local law enforcement to get where they needed to go. You can There's videos of them shouting, it's illegal, it's illegal, you know, talking about Uber. Uh, Uber had been prohibited in Cancun until early January 2023, so it's, it's no longer. It's fresh now, but... They weren't big fans of that, so here we are now, and the taxi drivers were massively upset on that. I understand the frustration, but th this ain't it, guys. This is not, uh, it's, it's only doing worse, honestly. I mean, this makes me want to avoid taxis. It's going to make people want to avoid taxis in Cancun when this is how you act, and there's already sort of a negative stigma around some taxis, too, of like, oh, they're going to overcharge you. You don't know what you're actually going to pay, and blah, blah, blah. Like, I hear that all the time from people in, like, when they say they want to go to Mexico and stuff, and they're just like, oh, I'm just going to stay in the resort, and I'm like, you don't want to go out and do things, and like, what? They're like, no, I don't want, yeah, 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 many advisors right now that are listening have, have heard that same thing as well. So, you know, uh, get with the times is what I got to say, you know, ride share apps are not going anywhere. 
You've got competition now. You know, find a way to beat it. Harassment is not the answer. Blocking the busiest street in the city only does more harm. So I hope uh, New York City taxi drivers don't try to pull the same thing. Anyone, you know, <laughs> we all know how much they despise the ride sharing apps on that. But I digress. So, again, I don't think this is a negative safety issue for Mexico, as a lot of you see in mainstream media, I saw lots of headlines, negative attack and targeting, anything they like, small thing like this, people love to jump out on that and just try to shame like, well, you shouldn't go there and everything. And it's like, well, you know, take it as as you will, you know, you've got, you know, Mexican citizens, they get alerts from their government about the crime and the rates in Los Angeles, NYC, and they get alerts and travel advisories for things like that, just like we're going to get it for there. So, you know, Assess your risk situations, know what you're comfortable with when you're traveling, talk to your travel advisor, advisors, talk to your clients about the things that they're interested in. You guys know this, so it is what it is, and let's hope that that situation does not escalate anymore on the whole rideshare and taxi situation, and they get that settled. So that wraps up what was trending in travel. Any additional thoughts, drop me an email, podcast at travelpulse.com. Call the hotline number. I'd love to hear from you folks. Leave a review wherever you listen. Thank you guys. So we're going to jump over to our interview segment of the show now on family travel trends. And now joining me on the show is Peter Bopp, director of research at the Family Travel Association. Welcome to the show, Peter. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your work in the travel industry. Hi, Eric. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, I, as Eric mentioned, am the director of research for the Family Travel Association. I'm one of the original uh, group that uh, founded the Travel uh, Family Travel Association in 2014, and have been with it since uh, since we launched. Um, my background is I worked in the travel industry all the way back from days at American Express, uh, and also have family history in the travel industry all the way back to my great grandfather, who founded a travel agency awesome. way back when. So uh, it's in the blood, if you want to say that. Love it. Yeah, that is great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the insight you're going to provide here. So we're just going to jump right into it. Family travel. Now, Peter, what, what's the latest you're seeing in the family travel trends for 2023 here? Well, you know, so I'm going to I'm going to be quoting a lot of statistics from our annual family travel study, which we do in partnership with New York University, Dr. Lynn Menard of NYU's Tisch School of Hospitality. And uh, this year's study was great. The 2022 study. Uh, was great in that it showed a rebound of activity in family travel, of course, because, you know, everything got depressed during the pandemic years. But what's great is in this year's study, 85% of parents reported being either likely or very likely to travel as a family in 2023. And the last number that we had pre-pandemic, so in 2019, that number was 70%. So that's a huge increase and really great news for our industry. Uh, So, you know, that's my headline. You know, family travel is back and it's back in a big way. And we're really excited about it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you'd love to to hear the the big number jump, you know, from the pre-pandemic times because so much of the comparison these days is now, you know, looking back at 2019. And I I think we're going to be inching closer this year to you know, maybe we don't have to go, well, in 2019, it was this. So it's like, well, here's what we're seeing in 23. And we're going to move forward. And this is what we're expecting for 24. Because people are booking out in advance and booking early, too, especially with the way prices are these days. And it's kind of the thing you need to jump on. It's it's a lot of families, uh, especially now, you know, if you're not really, if you haven't really planned anything for summer travel right now, I would say you're a little bit behind, right? You need to get going on, on your planning stuff. It's, it should be a big Definitely. summer, right? Definitely. 
yeah, yeah. And families know that. You know, what, one of the things we ask in our, uh, in our survey is about their planning cycle. And, you know, our, our, our advisors who are part of our, our membership includes supplier, advisors, media, and our advisors are, you know, constantly refrain, don't wait until the last minute, make sure to be getting your, and what we showed is that families know that they've gotten that message. Their average booking time is in that, I would say three to four month window is when most families are thinking about booking their travel. So, you know, they're not, they're, they're, they've learned that they're not the last minute bookers. Uh, of course, there are those, but, you right. know, but the, the majority have learned. So one of the things I wanted to mention in terms of what's big this year is we've seen, in addition to that great number of 85% that are, you know, planning to do family travel, we've seen a, a big rebound in larger family groups. Uh, so, for example, multi-generational travel, uh, you know, the number that was reported uh, for this year is 47%. And again, historically, that's a pretty big number. That's almost half the respondents are saying that they would want to take a multi-generational trip. And also, we, we ask about extended family. That would be, you know, traveling with siblings, traveling with aunts and uncles, mm -hmm. nieces and nephews, etc., and that number was almost identical. That was 46%. So again, for the end, first of all, that's a wonderful number for the industry because those are big ticket travel planners. Uh, and B, that I think that is indicative of, we all, you know, that's indicative of families being anxious to be able to do things together after a couple of years where they may not have even been able to visit one another. So now that they can not only visit one another, but they can visit with one another on a trip, that's like, you know, really a nice turn the corner type thing for the travel industry. So uh, we're very excited to see that we got so such robust response on, you know, family group travel. To me, that just I hear that. And my first thoughts are. And there's a lot of love for grandmas and grandpas out there and and, and getting back together with them and, and traveling, going on destinations, maybe not just going to their house, but actually going to the beach with them or maybe even overseas if you can afford Bingo. it these days, you know? Bingo. So. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's it's true overall, you know, the, the, the older generation uh, not only has the money, but they also nowadays are much healthier than they were hyster historically. So the idea of doing, as you said, travel that is not just go, you know, sit in a rocking chair, but actually get out and do like a, a, a history tour or a cultural tour or a food tour are things that grandparents can do. Yeah. And, Heritage tour, and, yeah. and, you know, they can do it the whole family. So I think that makes for a wonderful opportunity. And certainly... You know, another thing I know we're going to talk later about travel advisors, but that's a place where travel advisors can really play huge role in helping families to plan because, it, you know, planning a multi-gen trip is a much more complex endeavor than just planning, you know, your your single right. family unit. Right. Yeah. And, more people you add you know, into again, it. Yeah. Advisors are critical there. They can do a great job in helping to plan multi-generational, you know, trip of a lifetime, you know. So absolutely. Let me, yeah. you, let me give you a couple other things. Um, you know, one of the things that happened during the pandemic is, of course, as we all know, 
we shifted our activities from indoor to outdoors. And what we did see was we saw a rise in trips to places like national parks and state parks and, you know, to the beach and places that it was easy to socially distance. And where we saw a decline was in everything where you were in a group and you were in tight spaces. So, you know, we saw a decline in city trips. We saw a decline in museums, uh, plays, cultural attractions, etc. Um, we also saw a big decline in international travel. Now, part of that was because of the restrictions on international travel. But part of it was also unfamiliarity with how safe is it going to be? You know, this whole idea of safety, but from a health standpoint, not from a crime standpoint, but from a health standpoint, became a big deal. Well, I'm really happy to report that those two things, a couple of those things that I mentioned. First, uh, city urban travel has rebounded. It was, you know, in our study during kind of the COVID recovery, it was 34%. This year it was 65%. That's a huge jump. The museum and cultural attractions, a jump from 36% to 48%. Again, a huge jump. And international, which I'm sure some of our listeners will be really interested in hearing, uh, has jumped from 19%, again, restrictions, et cetera, to now 38%. So again, that's a really positive trend line. And again, this is all families. This is not right. adults only. This is all families. Um, you know, so, so, you know, we all know travel's back, but in the family travel business, those are really positive trends to see that, that things are coming back. Yeah. I love hearing that too. And I just think, you know, with, with families on this, taking the kids, you know, especially overseas too, I, yeah. I want to see more of that, you know, in yeah. these generations. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, though, and of course, as we said, it got hit partly because people couldn't, you know, there are barriers to travel, but it got hit also because, you know, think about it, your parents, you're going to take your kids and you don't really know what's going on overseas. It's bad yeah. enough that you didn't know what was going on in your own town, yeah. but you know, to go to a foreign country is like a whole new ball game. So, you know, that was that downward trend wasn't unexpected, but the upward rebound was a hope and we're actually seeing it come back. So we're really excited about that. Another thing that I think uh, is really interesting is that we saw a trend towards vacation rentals And actually, that's been a long-term trend. So that wasn't just a pandemic thing. That's been a long-term trend. But um, it certainly spiked during the pandemic because people who did travel liked the idea that they could isolate in a vacation rental versus being in a public space like a hotel. Well, in our most recent study, what we saw was hotels made a big rebound. It's not so much that vacation rentals fell off the cliff. It's more that hotels came back. And, you know, I think, you know, kudos to the lodging industry. You know, they they did a great job of putting, uh, you know, health and safety um, protocols in place, you know, making people feel comfortable, making sure that they had a, you know, they, they really focused on cleanliness, all those things. And it's paid dividends. So hotels are now back to being the number one choice for family travel. And, you know, again, a a big bump up. So that's, I think, very positive news, obviously, for the lodging industry. Yeah, they certainly needed that that rebound there, too. And obviously, you know, families want to 
you know, have their own little space. So I get that on the vacation rentals. I would encourage any yeah. listeners out there, you know, check into villas too. And those are, yeah. those are really nice, especially advisors too. If you can start selling, you know, more of those villas, I think you make a bit of bigger commission well, on that. As I said, you know, that it's not that it's not that we saw that drop off. Right. It's more that it like leveled and the hotels came back. And I will say this to, to mirror your point back to the multi-generational or, or extended family mm-hmm. travel that's where things like villas, vacation rentals and stuff really pay off because you can group up, you know, a, a, you can get a group of people to get, let's say 10, 8, 10, 12 people together in a villa and in a hotel. First of all, that would cost a fortune in a hotel. But, yeah. you know, second of all, you know, you don't you don't have the amenities that you gather by doing a, a villa rental. So. Right, yeah, it yeah. all depends on the family too, because some some people do not yeah. want to be in a house with all that many people, and other, <laughs> others, you know, they, they want their space. Others are like, no, bring them all together. I need everybody. We get so, all, you know, kumbaya, hug whatever, once. Yeah. whatever a person needs, there's a solution out there. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just yeah. in continuing on the the family travel stuff, any destinations jumping out U.S. internationally on on what's yeah. big? Yeah. Well, you know, the, they're not big surprises right. here, but you know, it's it's. I would say the big thing is that families are comfortable returning to places that they favored over time. So for example, domestically, you know, your California and Florida and New York is third, actually Florida and California are one and two New York is third, but places that cater to families. So, you know, Florida, you've got all the theme parks, you've got the beaches, you've got in California too, mm-hmm. you know, you've got the good weather, you've got the outdoor lifestyle, that, of course, all caters to families very well. And those remain, you know, top destinations. New York, now that urban life is, you know, urban travel is coming back, uh, you know, certainly has, uh, if you if you focus on New York City, you know, and, and surrounding areas, you've got the theater, you've got sports, you've got concerts, you've got restaurants, you've got, you know, everything. And then, you know, extend out into the broader area of all the other things that the, you know, the, the urban area has to offer and upstate has to offer. Um, New York remains very positive. Um, uh, and then uh, Hawaii is, you know, a, a very favorite destination, of course, for very obvious reasons. You know, it's a higher end destination, but one that uh, you know, again, for the multi-generational family or the extended family, Hawaii could be a really popular place because it's like special. You know, it's a it's a place to really celebrate and go to someplace special. So uh, internationally, uh, Europe has always been, you know, uh, kind of in the lead. Uh, and that's true again. Uh, part of that is certainly for, you know, East Coast families, Europe is a relatively easy trip to make. A little bit more of an investment and time from a West Coast or Mid Country family, but for for East Coast families, Europe's pretty pretty easy. Um, and the top destinations this year there were Italy was number one, UK number two, France number three, Greece number four. Interesting. So I think maybe some you know some of the beach, island, outdoor things, and Ireland number five. All Europe based. Uh, now, there is interest in traveling to uh, other continents, certainly Asia, South America, uh, get some hits. But, you know, just by volume, it's the European destinations that are top. 
Yeah, a lot to love uh, over in Europe and a lot to choose from on that. Yeah. Not surprising, Greece is rising there. Their tourism is rebounding. They've had a really good pickups through the the pandemic years and that's holding on and and i think yeah. that they're going to continue to capitalize on that um yeah, yeah. If it, hawaii obviously you know big not surprised that it that new york was third over hawaii yeah. just because of the price aspect of it and a lot of people on the east coast you know it's easier to get to new york than you know going across the, uh, the world there almost <laughs> over to hawaii yeah. it is a little bit well and, and like i said i wouldn't i wouldn't discount that uh this idea of museum and entertainment and theater yeah. and yeah. stuff has really bounced back. And that, of course, is New York's, you know, one yeah. of New York's falling cards. Mm -hmm. And so, the you know, you kind of see the, the combination of those things. Of course, you know, Broadway is still, uh, you know, I happen to be based just outside New York City, and so I pay a lot of attention to what's going on in the city. Broadway is still working its way back. Um, you know, I mean, it's... it. it got hit very hard during COVID because of course people couldn't go to the theater, Yeah, but you know, it is, it is working its way back and every day is better. So that's, that's great. And it's certainly, you know, there's some great values out there for families that want to take advantage of it. Yeah. And I, I encourage all families out there, go see a Broadway yeah. show. I've seen yeah. one and I need to see a thousand more. Like I you're just I was, talking about this. I'm I, like, Oh man, I, I got to get back to a show. I got to get back to in the theater. You know, I, I went to a show on Sunday. Hey, it love, was oh, great. I'm jealous. I'm it jealous was Peter. awesome. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Just as so. we uh, as we close up here, uh, just final question on this, you know, what advice would you have for our advisor listeners, you know, on, on selling family travel and anything for our supplier listeners too on attracting the family travel market? Yeah, great question. So, uh, you know, first of all, you know, I think, you know, this is I'm saying the obvious, but, you know, in a, in a perverse way, the pandemic kind of helped the travel advisor community because families realized how helpful using an advisor could be. Uh, in terms of disruption. Now we're seeing that families are recognizing how helpful an advisor could be in terms of, you know, when they're planning a more complex trip. I already mentioned the, you know, multi-gen and the extended family. Those are complicated itineraries to put together. And that's where an agent can really, or an advisor can really shine in terms of helping them. Um, but there's another big area that I do want to touch on for both advisors and um, and suppliers. Uh, two two things. One is, um, you know, the pandemic really made customers and things since the pandemic. And I'll talk, you know, about like the Southwest meltdown over the holidays. Um, families want reassurance, peace of mind when they're booking something as important as a family trip and they need help and guidance and transparency to really make sure that they understand what they're protected on or how they get help if something goes wrong. So what does that mean? Number one, it means that there should be both from an advisor and from the supplier real transparency on what are the cancellation policies? What do they apply to? How do you get help if you get stuck? Number two, families are much more willing to buy travel insurance than they were in the past. Yep. So certainly help them through that and help them get protected and explain how that works. Uh, and number three is always an issue, but it's still an issue now is you know, a, a family trip is an expensive proposition for a family budget. Um, and so affordability, value for money, 
is really important to families. And again, I think this is a great opportunity for a travel advisor to help a family navigate how do they get the most out of the budget that they have available for their family trip. And there's a huge investment on their part. So how do they make sure that they get the return on investment that they're making to have the best family experience possible? And, you know, I, I think sometimes we all get you know, we, we all are guilty of getting, you know, our eyes um, uh, enamored of the luxury travel experience. But that, you know, the reality is for families, luxury is maybe a once in a lifetime thing. But what they need is they need good value for money on a regular basis. And that's what's going to get them out traveling again. So we all need to embrace the fact of like families are willing to travel but they need help in knowing, you know, how they're going to be protected, how they're going to get value for money. And a, a third thing, which I've talked about before, but is, you know, there's still, we had 47% of the respondents still reported being cautious about health and safety post COVID. And so that's while, you know, the good news is that those restrictions have gone away. I think that that, that, uh, orientation of wanting to um, know that they're going to be in an environment that's taking precautions to provide health and safety is going to continue to be a uh, desire of families. So the things that both advisors and suppliers can do to reinforce that, you know, they put the protocols in place. Don't forget to tell people that you've got right. them and don't for, don't forget to actually utilize them, you know, so those would be those would be my top things uh, that I think that uh, the industry should be focused on. Very well said. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think any anything any supplier right now listening, just just bet on the travel advisor community. You know, just pull into that, and I think you'll you'll see leaps and bounds of, of, of rewards on that as you utilize them more and more. So that's that's always my takeaway for the supplier totally side. Agree, of things, totally so. agree with that. I mean, this is this is I and you know again my my purview is family travel. Uh, this is a community, the family traveling community is a community where I think the partnership between advisors and suppliers is critical. Oh, yeah. you, you know, by working together, you can really make special family moments and that's going to pay huge dividends. So, you know, I, I agree with that. This is the time. Yeah. And there's a lot of people out there that are, are fierce brand loyalty people as well, too, especially in the younger generation. You, you get a lot of that, too, of, you know, the, these yeah. people did right by me. I'm sticking with them forever. These people wronged me. They're dead to me forever. Like that's a mentality that a lot of people have, especially in younger generations, too. So, you know, stick with that. Make totally. them happy at the get go. And, and you got it. You got someone yeah. for life. So, yeah, thank yeah, you. Exactly. So, thank you so much, Peter. Any uh, how can our listeners get in touch yeah, with you well, or the Family Travel Association? Anything you want to plug? All yours. So one more thing that kind oh, of builds yeah. on what, what we were just talking about is we've launched this year our first family-friendly certification program. And we have both suppliers and travel advisors who are beginning to go through the program. So it's in early stages, but there's training involved in it. There's some standards involved in it, et cetera, that we really want to up the game on being family friendly and being family accommodating. And we've developed these certification standards to help the industry get there. And I'm thrilled to say that we've got a group of our 
uh, let's call it, uh, they're the inaugural uh, companies who've gone through the training and more and more are signing up. So, you know, we're very excited about this. We think this is really going to help with the family uh, travel industry overall and uh, something more to come, you know, more, more and more uh, companies get on board. In terms of how to reach us, um, and, you know, there you can certainly find out more about us on our website, which is familytravel.org. I will say we are a basically a member business for other family travel businesses. We don't really provide consumer services. Those are provided through our members. So the, the, it, the travel advisors and the suppliers who are members of us are listed on our website and they would sell services to consumers. Um, but, you know, you can certainly go on our website and it's searchable by suppliers. It's searchable by travel advisors. So you can, you know, reach out to people through those, um, through the website. And, uh, you know, if we can answer any questions, we have a, you know, email line for info at familytravel.org. And that's a way to put in a, any kind of request and, and we can get back to you. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining me, Peter. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. This is really fun. And Eric, I, your, your, your uh, backdrop is making me want to be at the beach. Oh, yeah. Oh, you got to love those Zoom backgrounds, right? Yes. Good stuff. Thank you. I mean, I'm, where I am, it's snowing today. So I'm in the mood to go to the beach. <laughs> Likewise. Yeah, it's been rainy and foggy all day. Like I look out my window right now and I can't, I can't see some trees beyond it. It's so much fog. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking for some sunshine as well on that. So yeah. I know a lot of listeners out there yeah. are too. Yeah. So thank you again, Peter. Terrific. Well, great to speak with you. And uh, bye, everybody. (laughs) Thank you so much, listeners. That is all the time we have for this week's show. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for exciting things coming up and some travel plans for me and on location shows as well coming soon. Thank you. 